We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20 this morning, and we'll be reading verses 20 to 23, Matthew chapter 20, and verses 20 to 23 is going to be our text this morning. Matthew chapter 20 and verse number 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him, and desiring a certain thing of her. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? And she said unto him, Grant these that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Then he asked a different, a, a, a unusual question, I think, but uh, he said, uh, ye know not what ye ask, are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, we're able. And he saith unto them, ye shall indeed drink, ye shall drink indeed of my cup. And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. I want to speak this morning for a few minutes on after the cup is empty. After the cup is empty. Heavenly Father, would you please meet with us here today? I I know full well that uh, I have absolutely nothing with which I can give these folks, but I humbly ask that you would meet with us here today. We know that you've promised where just two or three are gathered, that you'd be right there in the midst. And whenever we leave today, it'd be such a blessing for people to say that they heard from God, that they spent some time with the Lord today. And I I can't manufacture that. Lord, I pray that you'd teach us your word I pray that the Holy Spirit would move up and down and through these pews and chairs today and meet us where we live. And if we need to answer to the call of getting things right, that we would do so, we wouldn't be too proud. If there's things that we need to be well-equipped and better equipped to serve you, that, Lord, we would add them to our life. Lord, uh, please... Write upon us. Help us to be just a, a blank sheet of paper in our heart this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This is very curious to me. Uh, Jesus said, uh, are you able to drink of the cup that I am going to wind up drinking? And so, it, uh, you know, it, there's a few things about this cup that I, I think it would be wise for us to take notice of. Uh, first of all, it had to be something very important. I mean, because, you know, when you think about it, uh, here's uh, James and John, and uh, their mother is saying, Master, we want, I want my sons to sit on each side of you when you reign in heaven. Now, how long is the Lord going to reign in heaven? <laughs> Forever. Uh, you know, it's, it's not just a temporary position that she's wanting. Uh, whenever you think of, uh, I wonder how many billions of people have lived and will live by the time uh, that uh, we're we are making our permanent home in heaven I mean so it had to be something pretty important 
whenever Jesus said, she said, can they sit on your right hand? One on the right, one on the left. And then Jesus said, well, first of all, I've got to ask, are you going to be able to drink of this cup? So obviously, it's got to be something pretty important. Secondly, about this cup, it, it had to be something that's pretty intense. I've got this cup and I don't know if you're able. You know, uh, ladies, if you want to get your husbands to do something, just sort of look at the project and go, oh man, this needs to get done. And your husband probably will ignore you. And maybe he'll say, well, you want me to do it? And if you say something like, I don't think you can d- get that done. I don't think you can do that. He'll be working on it in 10 minutes. You know, I'll show you what I'll be able to do. You know, and then you can, you know, go go on the porch and, you know, read your magazine and let him have at it. You know, so smiling the whole time. But, you know, there's something in us, you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, that, uh, oh, you know, what do you mean I can't do that? You know, uh, tell me that, that I can't dunk a basketball. I'll go dunk a donut instead. So, uh, but, you know. When we hear something, you know, uh, 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 you can't do that. And here's Jesus. Now, of course, he's he's God in the flesh. And so I don't I'm not trying to minimize what he's saying. Here he is. And he's saying, are you able? Now, he could have told them whether they're able or not. But he wants them to understand, hey, this is going to be something that's very intense. Are you able to do this? So it had to be important, had to have been very intense. Would you turn just over to John chapter 18? John chapter 18 and verse number 10. We find something else about this cup that our Lord was going to drink. John chapter 18 and verse number 10 then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? So I think that sort of gives us an indication that this cup was something that was going to be very offensive. In other words, there, there, there is a great reason why you shouldn't necessarily want it. Now, I've got my issues, I know. You don't need to list them all. Uh, and uh, my wife is so gracious, she won't furnish that list because it's so unending anyway. Uh, but I can't stand coffee. I love the way coffee smells. If coffee would only taste the way that it smells, I would love it. But there's just something about the taste of coffee. I mean, there, there's times, I mean, we've been married almost 40 years. It'll be this July, it'll be 40 years. And Denise will make some coffee, and she is like a barista. We've got, uh, you know, eight different syrup flavors. And, you know, then there's the, these carrot things, you know, every every day. Oh, I got blue, uh, blackberry, vanilla, mocha, cappuccino, latte, you know. Hey, this is a new, but, and I mean, I'll smell that and go, Oh, that smells so good. And sometimes even when she may not be around, I go, yeah, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, that to me, you know, coffee is sort of uh, offensive to my taste buds. I, I, that's the only way I can say it. I don't know why. I wish I liked it. Uh, I'd be, 
I'd be a good Baptist social drinker because everybody says, you want a cup of coffee? You know, no, I'm above those kind of things. So, uh, you know, it doesn't always work well. You know, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee. You can drink and I'll sit, you know. So, uh, but this cup that the Lord is saying, now here, it must have been pretty offensive because, you know, Peter took his sword and whacked the uh, high priest's servant's ear off. He's fighting them. And Jesus is saying, let's not fight it. Shouldn't I drink this? So, very curious about this cup. Uh, I believe that it's something that he had to endure. Matthew 26. Uh, we won't necessarily read that passage, but I'm sure most everybody remembers on the night that he was betrayed. He went out in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we've been there, and uh, the uh, botanists say that those... Uh, uh, trees there in the Garden of Gethsemane are well over 2,000 years old. And, and they must have been there whenever Jesus had wept and cried three times. The disciples, he said, please pray. Then he took the three and said, please pray with me. And remember the things that he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So you may say, okay, that's what it is. It must be the cup of martyrdom. Except James got killed from Herod, got his head cut off with a sword, but John didn't die as a martyr. John dies an old man. Well, they all have Patmos. Now, he was boiled in oil. They tried to kill him, and God wouldn't let him die. And so they were so afraid of him, they said, let's put him out of this island with a bunch of convicts and leave him alone. And so while there, he wasn't able to do anything else. Oh, no, that's where the book of Revelation was penned, that the word of God came to him. So he was still effective. So, but this cup, he's saying, you're going to have a cup to drink, and it's going to be a lot like mine. They didn't die for the sins of the world. They did not become sin. They were already sinners. So, But yet he said, now, you've got a cup that you're going to drink, and the same as mine. So there has to be a biblical connection here. And it would be wonderful if the Bible says in a certain passage, this exactly is the cup that Jesus was talking about, but I haven't found that verse. If it's there, I'm going to have to mend my whole sermon here today. But it's something that is important, something that uh, they weren't quite capable of. It was something offensive. It was something that had to be endured. And I thought this rather interesting. You look at the cup. I want you to notice that uh, the taste... Jesus said that it was bitter. This cup is a bitter cup, a, a bitter taste. I don't know, maybe that's why I don't like coffee that much, because it uh, has a little bit of a bitter aftertaste, you know. But uh, here, things that are bitter, we don't like to go through bitter things in life. Uh, last This past Monday, we were driving, My, I was driving, my wife was in the passenger seat, my mom was in the back seat. Uh, we we're 
on our way to do some uh, family business and uh, on I-71 just past uh, Polaris, uh, our car broke down. So I had the great opportunity. My son came and picked up Denise and my mom and took them home. So I had a wonderful opportunity at, at uh, what was it, about 1.30, 1.15 to call AAA. And they said, we'll put you on the priority list. Somebody be there at 5.30. <laughs> wow. Oh, thanks that I'm on the priority list. I hope I what Wow, well, bad that would be if you're on the bottom of the list. So... So that's a little bit of a bitter thing. And then, uh, you know, to hear from the uh, uh, auto company, well, it's going to take X amount of money to fix that. And so, okay, can we uh, mortgage our house in order to... So, you know, all those wonderful things that we all go through bitter things. So was Jesus talking about, uh, you know, their chariot's going to break down? Everybody goes through some level of bitterness in life, but this was something unique. This is something special. The Bible says that the heart knoweth his own bitterness. The Bible says in Colossians, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. The Bible says that the Egyptians made the Israelites' life bitter with hard bondage. Hannah was in bitterness of soul because Penina insinuated and insulted her because of being childless. Other countries afflicted Canaan and made their lives very bitter. Job said that he was in bitterness of soul because of the affliction that Satan had laid upon him. Ephesians 4 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. There are times that, that we wind up drinking a cup that has great bitterness to it. And the Bible says that whenever you and I will enter into some kind of a bitter situation, some kind of a, 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 maybe it's an event, maybe it's a relationship struggle, maybe it's a physical problem that we're dealing with, but there's things that are going to come in our life that will leave a bitterness if we don't take care of those things. And the Bible seems to indicate that it's pretty easy to get bitter. Even Christians. That's why God said, let all bitterness, let it be put away from you. The things that go on in our heart. When, if, I, if I can sort of say it in this way, that, that bitterness, the, the picture of anger, the, the, the Bible word of, uh, uh, of anger means to snort out the nostrils. You know, like a, like a bull that would be snorting. That's the idea of anger. The Bible, uh, the, the word picture for wrath is, you know, to get extremely hot. But the word picture for bitterness would be once a piece of metal has been, uh, uh, has been heated and then warped or changed and then it gets cold. That happens to us sometimes in our heart 
that we go through some kind of a fiery trial. We have to drink something uh, in our life and it has such a great bitter aftertaste and we've allowed that, that all of those feelings get jumbled up. God, how come this happened to me? Uh, how come I'm the one that has to go through this? Why do I have to have this surgery? Why do I have to uh, look at a job at, at my age? And uh, how come I'm the one that winds up uh, always getting dumped on by all of my relatives? And how come this happens? How come that happens? It seems like I'm always getting the the uh, the, the bad things to do at work. And I'm never getting the glamour. How come I'm going through this way of all of those emotions that get all tied up? And many times we get worked up, we get rather warm, and then our heart gets hot and if we're not careful we're going to wind up shaping that in such a manner that whenever it dies down and things get a little bit cooler our heart has been warped and now it's like a piece of steel or a piece of iron that has been twisted and shaped and then we just stay that way for a long time yeah Look at her. She took my Corel dish the last time that we were at a church function. I saw, I had my name on the bottom with masking tape, as big as I could put it, and she took, she thought it was hers. Yeah, right. And we see, though, that over and over and over and over, yeah, that's the guy. Parked next to my new truck and dinged it. I saw it. I saw the truck shake, and he said he had no idea. Yeah, and every time you go to open up that door, there's that ding from Grace Baptist Church right there on my truck. Oh, man, you know, that guy, I can't believe, never apologized. And so, you know, we've gotten upset about something. It may have been valid to get upset about it. I don't know, but we get upset, we get hot, we get bothered, we get worried, we get, we get injured, whatever it may be, and we sort of shape our heart a little bit different, and then whenever things die down, it just stays there. We don't go to that pantry and pull out the dish and go through it all over again. We just... and go on, but we are different now. And we let that settle, and we let that bother us, and then pretty soon, you know, for a while it was... She thinks I'm going to shake her hand. He thinks that I'm going to be nice to him. Yeah, but after a while, it's just, I've nothing to do with him. We've taken another step farther. We have allowed our bitterness to keep our heart shaped in such a manner that now it looks rather grotesque in the eyes of the Lord. And we don't plan on shaping it back. Just bitter. Well, I can think of a time in my life, and I'm ashamed to say it, but I was driving back from Mansfield, Ohio, uh, back to Cleveland. I was on church staff there, and uh, our engine blew in our car. It was pre cell phone uh, era, so of course it was a 1936 Packard. Uh, no, but uh, uh, pre cell phone, and so. Man, I was on, uh, got a, uh, somebody picked me up, took me to the uh, rest area, got on the payphone, called my father-in-law. And I can remember waiting there for about uh, about an hour and a half. And I walked back to the car and 
I can remember some of the things I didn't really say out loud. But I'm so ashamed that, you know, I, I cried some hot tears like it's the Lord's fault. That, you know, here I am. I'm serving you. There's no way we've got any money to even get this car fixed, let alone get another car. And what have you done? And, you know, like blaming it on God. And about two days later, wound up that God had opened up a door and we got a new car. I remember spending time with the Lord just ashamed and apologizing. What you were bringing in my life was an opportunity. It was a door. It was a window of blessing. And here I am accusing you of being evil. When we get bitter with God, that's really what we're doing. We're blaming God for being evil. In him is light. Uh, there, there is no darkness at all in God. That bitterness, that in the heat of emotion, we twist our heart and it gets turned and it gets changed a little bit and then we cool down and then we just, just leave it there. The effect of bitterness, Hebrews chapter 12, if you want to turn there very quickly here, Hebrews chapter 12 a familiar passage, I'm sure, to many in verse 14. Follow peace, Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Now, here's, here's two things about this, that, that what bitterness will wind up doing, first of all, the Bible says that it makes us fail of the grace of God. It does not say that God's grace fails you. It says that we fail of the grace of God. Uh, brother, could you come up here for just a moment? Uh, you'll need both hands free. <clears throat> all right, I'm going to picture, uh, all right, here's, uh, here's God's grace, all right, and uh, uh, now I'm going to trust you, okay? okay. <laughs> you got to catch me. Okay. I am going to fall, all right. all right, so please catch me. All right. Please catch me, all right, so, <laughs> all right, so uh, here I am, no, step back just, all right, <sighs> I got to trust him. Oh, I didn't fall very far. Hey, that's pretty good. All right, now let me just lean on you a little bit, all right? Uh, okay, so uh, <sighs> I'm going to go to sleep. I'll wake up in about 20 minutes. All right, uh, I am trusting in God's grace, all right? Uh, if God's grace fails, I'm flat on my back and I'm hurting. But God's grace will never fail. He may, so I'm getting back up. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So, God's great, but yet the Bible says you've got to really watch because you can fail of the grace of God. Oh, I forgot. I'm not done. Come on up. I'm sorry about that. I, I apologize. I wasn't trying to embarrass you. 
All right. Now, what does it mean to fail of the grace of God? I'll show you what it means. Ready? Yep. Good. (laughs) I don't feel God's grace. God's not helping me. He says he gives more grace. I don't feel it. Hey, I need more grace. Hey! Thank you. Boy, that's a friendly church. Guy give me a hug, you know. We just do fist bumps or elbow bumps. No kiss on the lips. All right, so... The difference is the Bible says that God resisteth the proud. You start standing there and saying, all right, God, do this for me. God pushes back. The Ohio State spring game was yesterday. Guys on the line, either either side of the line, but mainly the offensive line, they, you know, as soon as the snap is made, they jump up and push back. If it's a pass protection They take a step back or so just to slow the rush in. If it's a run, they're advancing. But regardless, they're pushing back. They're they're trying to push. They can't hold. They're trying to push. And the Bible says that God looks at us. He looks at you. He looks at me. And whenever we get proud, we refuse to humble ourselves. God says, no way. That's how we fail of the grace of God. Look at Israel. Why? Because we're bitter. God, how could you do this to me? Is that humility? Is that being humble in the sight of the Lord? God, how dare you do this to me? You realize that I'm serving you. You realize all that I've given up. You realize that I don't deserve this. You're right. I don't even deserve to drive a car. Just to have a car is the grace of God. And God provided that car to begin with. And here I am on the side of the road, strutting around as proud as I can be. And I'm blaming God for an oil pump that stopped working. It's God's fault. And on that day, I had failed the grace of God because I was not humble before the Lord I was proud. And God's grace was just like this brother here waiting to help me. I could have gone through that situation with a lot more grace, with a lot more kindness, with a lot more peace, instead of tossing and turning for a few days and being angry and being upset. And I'm ashamed of what I've done. And I think many times we as believers, we wind up drinking a cup (laughs) Whoa, that was bitter. And we just let that bitterness stay in our life. And we refuse to humble ourselves before the Lord. Beware, watch out. That's God's command to every one of us. Doesn't matter if you're a deacon, doesn't matter if you're a Sunday school teacher. Well, I've been saved for 62 years, it doesn't matter. Well, I just got saved two weeks ago, so I'm all right. I'm still pretty fresh and happy. It doesn't matter. Beware 
lest we fail of the grace of God. At any time, you and I can get the wrong attitude, have the wrong heart, and say, I don't deserve this. And pretty soon we're turning our eyes up to God that it's God's fault somebody took the casserole disc. It's God's fault that somebody dinged your new truck. And we start getting bitter with everybody and everything. Oh, yeah. Those people down the road at Grace Baptist. Yeah, those thieves and vandals. That's all that's there. They're going to mess up your car and take your dishes. And you and I know, if you've been saved any length of time, you could probably point to some people, not trying to be mean or hateful, who talk like that. Oh, yeah. I remember those weird fundamental Baptists. A bunch of lunatics foaming at the mouth. Well, that's true. But still, oh, yeah, that's the way those people. And pretty soon, it wasn't one person who made a mistake. It's everybody in the church. They're teaching kids in the nursery how to ding cars and steal dishes. I'm going to have to record what's going on in Awana because that's their game now. Steal the casserole dish and run. Everybody catch up. It's all of those people. And, you know, we, we laugh about it, but sad part is sometimes because we've had to drink something bitter in our life. And pretty soon we let it go and let it go and let it go. It's everybody. Pretty soon it's, it's all of those phony Bible readers. All of those Christians. I don't want anything to do with church. Because we let it go and go. Number one, we fail the grace of God. Number two, it troubles us. It troubles you. That's a beautiful Bible picture. When we were in Israel, we went by, you know, I said, we're going to go by the pool of Siloam. Oh, man, this is going to be memorable. And so we go walking on this pavement, and they go, yeah, down there. But that little mud hole, you know, it's about uh, 20 feet by, you know, 12 feet down there. There's nothing fancy about that. Oh, yeah, that's... That's a pool of Siloam. Bible says that an angel would go down and would trouble the waters. That's what a mom does when she's trying to build up more soap suds in the bathtub for the kids. And the Bible says sometimes our heart gets that way. We're all troubled. We're all a flutter. And you're never going to be settled in the things of God. Never going to be rooted in Christ. Your whole spiritual life, you're just. Blah, 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 blah. I can't believe this. I can't. Believe, I can't handle that. I can't go here. I can't do this. I, I do this, but ah. And there's people like that. And every one of us can be that way. And if you're sitting right now saying, "Well, not me," you're getting ready to fail with the grace of God. I guarantee you. Because you're not saying, Lord, help me. So what's the response? Would you turn to James 3 and we're finished. James chapter 3. James chapter 3 and verse 14. James chapter 3 and verse 14. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, 
glory not and lie not against the truth. All right, here's what we wind up doing. We get bitter and pretty soon we start glorying. If we get that bitterness in our life, we glory. What does that mean? Well, sometimes we glory in things and we don't quite understand it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that there was a, uh, the church in Corinth, they wound up, there was exceeding gross sin going on in that church. And no one really condemned it. And the Bible says that they were glorying in it. Now, do you really think they were sitting there saying, hey, there's a guy being really immoral in the church. <laughs> Way to go. Do you really think that they were doing that at church? I don't think so. What does it mean that they were glorying in it? I'll tell you what it means. They were looking at that guy and going... Man, I wouldn't do anything like that. You wouldn't catch me doing something like that. They didn't grieve. They were sort of glad the guy was there because they all felt better about themselves. At least I'm not like, you know, Mr. So-and-so is being immoral. And so the whole church wound up being, yeah, we're a lot better than him. They're glorying. So, I should be happy that I'm a better sinner than somebody else. I should pat myself on the back because my sin is different than yours. <laughs> way to go, Dan Wolven. I'm a sinner in my own way. Yahoo! That's what the Bible's talking about. And so, whenever this bitterness comes along, you know what we do? The Bible says, don't do it. If you want to know people that are bitter, if you can't figure it out by other ways, the first thing is they glory in it. Well, I'll tell you one thing. If you ever had somebody ding your new truck, you would probably treat them worse than I did. You've never had to face what I have to face. Be like going into the hospital and some woman saying, well, don't make fun of giving birth, Pastor, because you'll never have to. Well, you're right. I'll never have to go through that. Glory not. We want to trumpet our own cause to such a degree that we overstate it. <laughs> We're magnifying it. You wouldn't believe it. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I drove onto the asphalt in our brand new parking lot. And while I was meditating and approaching the temple of God, an individual with wickedness and malice and a forethought slammed his door into the side of my brand new truck, which I know was given to me by the grace of God. And we, we wind up, I have borne so much. Almost acting like we're just like Jesus. I know what the Lord went through. We've drank from the same cup. How did the Lord handle bitterness? 
this bitter thing that he had to do. If we look in the scriptures, the Bible says that Jesus, while he was hanging on the cross, two thieves were on either side. And the Bible says they cast the same in his teeth. What did Jesus say about all those that were there? I mean, they, they sitting down, they watched him there. It, it, it was like television. Hey, this is really interesting. Look at him. Whoa, man. Look at him ble- bleeding like crazy. And man, his ribs are sticking out. You know, man, why? Whoa. And they're laughing and mocking. And Jesus had this bitter cup to drink. And while suspended between heaven and earth, he cries out, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Is there anybody you know that you can't pray for honestly? Is there someone in your life that you could not sincerely go home, get in your... uh, uh, bedroom, close the door, get on your knees and genuinely and sincerely pray for God's best for them. Is there somebody in your life that you could not thank God for? Well, I had somebody that really did some rotten things to me. Is there somebody that you don't wish well in their life for Christ. Is there a believer that you truly, you may say it out loud, but genuinely in your heart, you can't really say, God bless you. If you said yes or maybe, you need to do some business with the Lord. Every one of us are going to have to encompass things in our life that are bitter. And they have a bitter after effect. And I know some of those things are going to come in our life just so we receive more of the grace of God. I remember, oh, I think it was about 12 or 13 years ago, I heard a woman say, and uh, her child was probably about nine at the time, Her child went through, got cancer, went through surgery, went through chemotherapy, went through radiation, constant visits. That child went home to be with the Lord in about two and a half years. And I heard a woman say, it just floored me. She was very sincere and she was very genuine. And she said, I thank the Lord and she called the child's name, that she got cancer. I mean, I've heard a lot of things as a pastor. I've never heard a woman say that. I'm thankful she got cancer. She was really sick. She died. And she said, I'm thankful she got cancer. The more she talked, this lady was full of the grace of God. 
it, it came out in her, just the way she talked and the way that she, her disposition, her reactions with other people. She said, I never would have gotten to know the Lord as wonderfully as those dark days full of tears whenever he just lifted me up and carried me through the day. He said, she said, my daughter is in heaven. She'll never have to go through the heartbreak of some kind of a divorce. She'll never have to go through the, the, the terror of maybe getting robbed or mugged. And she started listing all of the things that, that her daughter would never have to go through in her life. And she said, she's with Jesus right now. This lady was the antithesis of being bitter. She was so gracious. I'm sure there are people in this congregation that others just like being around. Not because they're popular or cool or suave, but just they're such a good Christian. You just love being around them. You don't know what they may say. You don't know how they may act, but they're just awesome to be around. They're so gracious. We don't get gracious until God fills us with his grace. And the worst thing about bitterness is it fills us up and there's no room for the grace of God. After the cup is empty, Jesus said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He drank it. And after he drank it, he said, Father, forgive them. It's holy and righteous, no bitterness at all. No wonder the Bible says that we should follow in his steps. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and a message like this, it sort of really pierces deeply into our heart and soul. Lord, I pray that you would apply your word this morning.